Hi everybody, it's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm a vestibular audiologist and I'm a neuroplasticity therapist and I take great pleasure in supporting the recovery process for my clients with complex and chronic dizziness, vertigo or tinnitus. I love to share human stories and today I have a treat for you because I have the great pleasure of myself meeting Julian Cowan-Hill. I hope I said that properly. Yes, who, yes. who is a tinnitus therapist and psychotherapist and craniosacral therapist based in London in the, in the United Kingdom. And in many ways, I think it seems that Julian and I are almost kindred spirits on opposite sides of the planet. So it's, it's a real delight to be able to meet with Julian and have the special treat of inviting Julian to share his recovery story of moving through chronic difficult um, and lonely symptoms. So Julian, welcome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for inviting me. <clears throat> yeah, my, my story started when I was 16 and I was at boarding school and I was just working and I suddenly heard this mm. and I thought that's weird. And I got up and I tried to find a radio that was on and there wasn't anything on. And then I thought it must be a gas ring in the kitchen and I looked around to try and find the, the source of the sound and I couldn't find it and strangely I just carried on looking for a couple of weeks I couldn't understand it I thought it was a school tannoy system and I wasn't particularly bothered by it but it, it was it's just a tiny niggle and then a couple of weeks later I, I was sitting I was just eating some tuck as we called it in those days this food that you have in your your box um at boarding school and and I suddenly realized it was coming from my own head mm. I said the penny dropped and I was a little bit freaked out and I thought gosh there's something broken so something wrong with my ears and I went to the school doctor and he said um it was actually one of the best messages I ever had he said it's just one of those things don't worry about it it should go away it didn't go away, but I didn't really worry about it until I went through a, a stressful patch with a family breakup a, a couple of years later. Um, everything fell to pieces right in the middle of my A-levels, my main mm. school exams. And my tinnitus just took off and turned into screeching cats. And it was really starting to get quite loud and I couldn't sleep. And... And I started having a, a full-on buzz and a screech in my head the whole time. And I had a very, very stressful time from about 15 to 25 with family dramas and God knows what. My tinnitus got worse and worse. And basically 20 years, um, well, 16 years later, it was really bad. It was deafening and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't hear the phone ring. Um, it was appalling. And I, I lost my job because I couldn't function. Um, I can remember I kept on, I was a wine guide and I had to organize tours all over Europe. And I kept on having urgent messages appearing on the answer phone machine. And I kept on missing them. And I suddenly realized the reason I was missing them was because I couldn't hear the phone ring. So it was really loud. Can and I ask, was there any hearing loss at that point in your 30s? Um, yes, I'd, I'd, um, I've always had 
slight hearing problems. I was very prone to um, ear infections as a child and and I had glue ear, which really left me, I had six months of almost total deafness once, which was horrendous. Um, so I had moderate hearing loss. Um, but in those days, it, it, was only, it was only moderate, but it was really, really difficult. And, and the worst thing, you know, as we both know, we hear this kind of story every day. I was in a really desperate place. I lost my job, I actually ended up going to live at my mother's house in my mid-30s and mm-hmm. had a bit of a life crisis. And um, I waited months to see the ENT surgeon and he said, oh, you've got um, moderate to severe hearing loss. You need a hearing aid. Um, good luck. And I said, well, what about my tinnitus? And he said, oh, oh, you, there's nothing you can do about it. Learn to live with it. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd waited for months for that, um, that interview, that meeting. And I was devastated. I, I really believed him. I thought there was nothing I could do. And I thought, well, this is unbearable. I can't imagine the life of this deafening noise. Uh, It was just an appalling thought to think that I'd be trapped inside that intense suffering, like a Chinese water torture for the rest of my life. And I actually- Can I just pause there for a moment? And I have this like dream, I have a dream for the future that when clients go to that specialist, whether it be an ear, nose and throat surgeon or a neurologist, whoever it is, I really hope the message begins to change from there's nothing you can do, see you later, live with it. I really hope that it changes to there's nothing more I can do as your doctor. I'm not worried about you medically. There's a lot you can do. I would love you to go and learn about your body and your brain and the incredible resources it have. That's not something I can help you with. However, I want to encourage you to go learn about it. There is hope. I would love the message to change because I feel like it's part of what the doctor is is saying is true is there's nothing more I can do medically, but that is not to be confused with there's nothing more that can be done full stop ever. Yeah. So carry on. Just, I just wanted to insert that. Well, I'd I'd like to add to your dream because I feel very passionately about this. I, I think the, what they should say is the bottom line is that you're going to habituate. So eventually you get very bored of this and you, you know, the worst case scenario is that when you get used to it, actually it's probably going to get a bit better. You stop fighting it, you stop resisting it, and your system settles. But even better still is for them to say, well, tinnitus is a temporary stress response. This is a stress-related condition. So when you learn to take your mind off it and you learn to settle your system, you have every chance of getting better. So please find therapists to help soothe you settle you help you switch off and the alarm bells are very likely to stop ringing i i didn't know that so when i was told um there was nothing i could do i i just didn't understand what was going on mm. and i i actually went into depression i i i i think i was clinically depressed for a couple of months i just felt appalling i had horrendous thoughts in my head and I felt trapped and like there's no way out and um, my tinnitus that afternoon having been told that there was nothing I could do went through the roof it Mm. it just it became incredibly incredibly bad I mean it was just appalling Um, and so I really struggled for a few months 
and a friend of the family said um you know a few months later why don't you try cranial sacral therapy and i said what well, nurse that she said just just go <laughs> i had it last week it's amazing um and we looked online and well i looked in the phone book then and found somebody um not too far away and i i went along and lay down on the couch not knowing anything about it and this guy took up a really gentle contact around my head and I can remember exactly where he was. He had one hand in my occiput here and the other one here. And it was like he was twiddling the tuning of a radio, a tuner of a radio. And, and my tinnitus started changing in his hands. And it was really quite shocking. I, what are you doing? God, how, how are you doing that? And um, he said, oh, don't worry, just relax. You know, your system's responding really well. And I had all these weird experiences and I felt my body just kind of releasing and I was dropping onto the couch. All this stuff kept on happening. I felt a bit floaty. My tinnitus started changing. I was really lucky actually that it started changing in the first session. And I, at the end of it, I just got off the couch and I was really, I felt really relaxed. I, I don't think I'd ever really relaxed in my life. And this, I was about 34 at the time. And I felt so chilled out. Um, and I was a bit sort of emotional. I said, wow, gosh, what's this happened? That's extraordinary. And, and I thanked him and I organized to go and see him the next week. But on the way home, I had to drive at about 20 miles an hour because I felt really like chilled out and I kept on laughing and, um, and I was a bit teary and, um, and the next day my tinnitus kind of just felt a little bit less intense. I went back once a week, I had about six sessions with him and um, I felt like my tension and my anxiety levels just started plummeting. And I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to go on the next um, cranial training weekend because I was at a loose end. I'd lost my job. I was at a bit of a crossroads um, in my life. And I went along to this taster weekend and just fell in love with cranial sacral therapy and, and signed up on a course, excuse me, and about, um, so we, I became a guinea pig working on other guinea pigs. And when you, when you do these training programs, you do a lot of practice on each other and found the whole thing fascinating. And we had to learn about anatomy and physiology and how the nervous system worked, in particular, the fight or flight response, that <gasps> alarm bells, hype alert, where's the danger coming from? Mm. Um, and it all started to make sense to me. I started to understand what was going on and and it was such a relief. And about six months into that training, six months later, one summer's morning, I woke up in silence. I had my first experience of silence. And it was life-changing. And so the, I, I remember I ran to the bottom of the garden. And I said, I knew it, I knew it. And I was in tears. I, I know that this thing is not permanent. I know you can get better. And if I can get better, then other people can get better. And I kind of vowed to myself that I'd do my best to help other people with tinnitus there and then. Um, 
and I qualified and I've I've had a busy practice ever since. Um, I've been working with tinnitus people since 1999. I've seen over a thousand people now. Um, And um, so I've learnt, I've really learnt what helps tinnitus. And my own tinnitus, when I had that first period of a couple of days of zero, so nothing, no sound whatsoever, it came back a bit and I hovered around a one or a two out of 10 or 0.5 out of 10 for about a year or a year and a half. And then, then I, the last thing that really helped my tinnitus, I, I had a lot of antibiotics in my life and I was very addicted to cheese, sugar, beer, wine, bread, <laughs> yeast and things. And I actually had candidiasis, which is like a, a a fungal yeast overgrowth in the body and I saw I was working in in a a practice with lots of other practitioners and a nutritionist said look I really think we need to have a session I want to talk you through a few things and I found out all about candida and she said look I believe if you strip the candida out of your body and you follow a candida diet i think it'll really help because it creates a lot of resistance and it'll probably get rid of inflammation in your auditory the whole ear nose and throat um part of you and i just took her advice and i went on a very strict diet for two years actually and it was a it was not that i've come off drugs but it was it was like going cold turkey i had very strong reactions and after you know a good I don't know, eight months or so, my tinnitus went away completely. Mm. And since 2002, I've had largely a tinnitus-free life. Um, It only comes back these days if I get a stinking cold. It doesn't always come back. And if it does, it's very, very minor, and I know it goes away. Um, I need some major, major problem like I went to a loud concert a couple of years ago and I ended up sitting near the speakers and I thought oh my god I haven't got my earplugs <laughs> but I really want to see it it was a Burt Bacharach revival it was brilliant um I went to bed with ringing in my ears and in the morning it had gone so I'd, I'd kind of gone back to normal teenage listening you know people who start going out clubbing often have ringing in their ears but in the morning it's gone so that actually proved that it was you know completely reversible um i did have a, a, another blip I, I damaged my right ear in front of a loudspeaker in the notting hill carnival and that created tinnitus again it was like um noise induced tinnitus um hearing damaged tinnitus and and I felt such a fraud. I thought, oh God, I've got tinnitus now and I'm helping <laughs> people. How can I help them if I've got it? And um, all over again, that was about 10 years ago. But I just went into massive yoga, tai chi, massage, cranial sessions. I just, I knew what to do. And I just went into one or two hours a day of working on myself. And it took about, seven weeks to to clear it um so you know in a way that was kind of useful because i kind of learned that noise induced 
tinnitus, you know, hearing damage, tinnitus, it, it's possible to recover from that too. Um, so, you know, having been through 20 years of tinnitus, I've had now, where are we, 2020, so roughly 18 years of a tinnitus-free life. And every day I see loads of people with tinnitus and, you know, literally it's over a thousand people now in total. And, and obviously I see people who are in extreme states of stress and suffering. Mm. But even though I have all that exposure to tinnitus suffering clients, my tinnitus is fine. Yeah. Um, so I've made, I feel like I've made a really solid, good recovery. And, um, and these days putting the information out about how I've recovered and sharing other people's stories. I think people's stories of, you know, how people got better. They're some of the most useful things for other people to, to hear about. Um, it really helps them be inspired to get the right kind of help and support to get on the road to recovery. Mm. the psychological therapeutic route the cognitive route of understanding how it works and knowing that you can get better it, it just that alone actually is a huge help for people yeah and I feel like so from an audiology point of view um, the ears are just absolutely beautiful little organs they're miracles and so the, the cochlea is the snail-looking hearing part of the ear, and beside the cochlea is the balance organs, and they're actually separate. You can think of them as separate bedrooms. Mm. Somebody can have zero hearing and perfect balance or zero balance and perfect hearing. They're side-by-side, mm. side, they're not connected. So for whatever reason, we can get permanent damage to the architecture of the ear, and that may occur in the balance sections, it may occur in the cochlea and the hearing sections, or it may occur in both or neither. Temporary... Um, damage is what happens with generally when you go to that concert and we 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 kind of i would call it a bruise of the inner ear so there is actual physical anatomical damage from the toxicity from too much noise creating too much stimulation and the anatomy can't keep up the biology actually gets a toxicity a neurotoxic effect a temporary shift of course means we basically sleep it off and within 48 hours we go back to normal after the concert and a permanent damage means that those little hair cells don't recover. So they fall down from the ototoxic impact of the, the gun noise or the explosion or the loud concert or the machinery, and they never get back up. So that is a permanent hearing loss. Now that does not have a direct, that doesn't relate in tinnitus. So a lot of people, I think, get a bit fixated on ear damage and this and that. So I just wanted to clear up. Yes, you can have temporary damage to the ear that recovers. You can also have permanent damage to the ear that does not recover, but that does not mean you have a lifetime of tinnitus. So some people with permanent hearing loss, and if you have permanent hearing loss, I'm not sure, but some people with permanent hearing loss have no tinnitus, right? So hearing loss does not equal tinnitus. And in the same way, I have absolutely normal hearing and I've had tinnitus in the past. So you can have normal hearing and tinnitus. The other thing is, is while we know stress exacerbates inner ear conditions, both vertigo, dizziness, all forms, and tinnitus, it's not always so straight cut that, okay, I have a stressful incident, my family falls apart, or I lose my job, or, um, you know, I had my own version of these, which we'll, we'll go into in another interview. For some people, they're like, my life was great. I didn't have any obvious stresses. I was on holiday when it happened, and then bang, it hits. So, 
it, it, it can be subtle and complex. Um, and there's no doubt about it that learning to understand our body and what works for us. So as Julian spoke about, for him learning to be in the body, perhaps having a cranial sacral craniosacral therapists support him through staying in his body and noticing the changes. That's really a, a beautiful supported practice of mindfulness and becoming safe in the body again with a therapist mm. holding that. Um, also yoga, meditation, for some people diet, but not for everybody. It's good to know what your body needs to help recreate that homeostasis, that equilibrium, that balance within the biology and that is a multifaceted process. And anyone who's listened to my uh, podcast or YouTube will hear me say physical, mental, emotional, spiritual on repeat. It's never going to be just diet or just yoga or just craniosacral therapy. There will be a journey to go through. And from a medical or a bio, a biological, from that perspective, stress doesn't actually mean I lost my job or my partner's angry at me or whatever. Stress doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means stress can just mean there is a stressor within the body and the body's not coping that could mean there's too much copper floating around or there's a a childhood trauma that i got bullied in the playground when i was four and that never got resolved and internally in my new in my neural pathways i'm actually stuck as this four-year-old victim and that's beginning to run my life and i need to actually go in and look at that in a child so as a 30, 40, 50, 60 year old life might be quite stress free, but there's actually inner stresses happening that are invisible and subtle, which take self study and inquiry and that gentle processing to help rebalance the physiology. Um, so I just wanted to kind of bring in that invitation to listeners. I'm sure Julian agrees with me when he says, we're not saying everybody needs a therapist, everybody needs this, everybody needs yoga, everybody needs whatever. The truth is, is that we don't know what you need if you're listening to this. We've both seen thousands of people go through it and heal, but everybody does it in such a different way. Um, and I'm just... I'd like to endorse something you're saying there. It's, it's what one of my feelings is after the last 20 years of clinical experience is that when we feel safe, when we drop into that state of, oh, you know, something just centers and settles, yeah. the alarm bells stop ringing. The sensors don't have to be hypervigilant and they can, they can switch off. They can stop needing to monitor the world. So after a while, it doesn't matter what the cause is or how traumatized somebody is, working through steadily to that, oh, um, the, the, the whole hearing system can, can really switch off and very simple things on a, on a structural level, things like yawning, mm -hmm. if we do lots of yawning, where you hear the eustachian tubes pop and you can hear the ear, um, the eardrum purring, the little muscles that attach to the auditory ossicles are actually having a bit of a natural workout and release. Um, so that when your tinnitus comes down to a low level, yawning and a facial massage can help de-stress the structures that get the auditory system to work in a lovely flowing way with lots of suspension and the sound gets transmitted through really freely and the nervous system doesn't need to be picking up every last detail but can just take what's important. You know, when, happy ears are very selective and we only hear what we need to 
And then the rest of the day, it's constantly just ignoring, quietly ignoring, switching off. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is a fascinating symptom to work with because there's a psychological element, there's an audiological element, there's a nervous system and how we respond to it. It's, it, you know, really learned a lot about being a human being with this condition. Well, I think that's the gift. And I guess, again, I'm coming at it slightly from another angle because of my my background but the um it's actually the the brainstem and the midbrain that are doing that filtering so the, the sounds are traveling in through the ear hitting the eardrum moving those beautiful little inner bones the ossicles and we do have tiny little joints and little tendons in there and it's quite distressing for people if they get locked and tight which is what julian's referring to and i love this imagery of letting the lower jaw hang like a hammock that's an exercise i'll give some of my clients is just even if you imagine having just a millimeter of space between your upper and lower jaw, just allow that looseness to hang. Because while that's not going to be the one-stop shop quick fix, it helps to release that underlying grinding tension all day long that's kind of feeding the loop and feeding the cycle. We want to look for little opportunities to break the chronic stress patterns, which are often subconscious. So we're bringing awareness and consciousness to something that may have been subconscious for many years. So. Sounds are coming in through the ears. After they hit the um, inner bones, they then move into fluid, entering the cochlea, and the cochlea processes those vibration sounds at face value. They don't do any selective processing. That then goes along the auditory nerve, the cochlear nerve. The eighth nerve travels in through the brainstem and the midbrain, and that's where you start to get what I would... I, I talk about this in my book I've just written. It's like having a bouncer at the door of a nightclub. There's got to be some kind of selective order we want to make sure that there's not young kids coming in, that there might be, you've got to be 18 years old to enter. We've got to make sure people are not, are not intoxicated before they enter. And we have to make sure there's not too many people. So there's, there's boundaries so that there's a, a harmony. And when that bouncer is not around, that's when any old vibration and sound can, can come through our awareness, process into the auditory cortex, which is further up in the cortical brain, higher up. And that's when suddenly it's in our awareness. So this is what may blow some people's mind is tinnitus is actually not a symptom. It's not a disorder. It's not a disease. It's a perfectly normal phenomena that happens 24 seven in everybody's brains, in everybody's ears. The ears make noise all day long. They're filtering noise all day long. Silence is a construct of our imagination. However, it's not always in our awareness. Sometimes somewhere along the pathway, it's been filtered out as boring, irrelevant, non-essential. And that's, the neuroplasticity piece that I'm supporting clients through consciously navigating. How can I teach my brain to treat this sound differently? Because mm -hmm. essentially we can't change the ear. That's, it is what it is. And if the doctors can give you a surgical option, they will. So generally speaking, we can't do much. Tinnitus masking devices are often not the answer. And it's really about changing our relationship to the sound and, and accessing the magic and the miracle of neuroplasticity where once we can identify that the tinnitus is not abnormal, it's not a disease, it's not a threat, it's not going to hurt me. The brain can recategorize it away from that fight, flight, freeze as a saber toothed tiger chasing me and tinnitus because they're both equally bad. It can recategorize that the, the body sound over here into the I've lost a sock category, or there's a little bit of when I turn my car on it idles or, whatever the, the gate squeaks when i open it it goes into that category of yeah whatever it doesn't put energy into it there's no emotion 
So we shift it from, oh my God, this is a big deal. I need to spend a lot of money on this. I need to get rid of it. It's going to take over my life. It's going to ruin me. All of my problems are here. <laughs> and we actually, using neuroplasticity, we learn how to get it through the filters over here into the meh category, which is not making a big deal of it, not ignoring it, not denying it, not medicating it or numbing it. It's going into a, a very non-attached, uh, I suppose, category. Um, mm. So I think it's also a good reminder that you don't have to love it. You don't have to become best friends with it, but it, you can. That, that will also change the hormonal and chemical reaction to it. So, sure. And, and, and what, what you're saying there is so interesting to compare because I had a bit of a breakthrough when I realized, because I've done a lot of body work, that I, you know, when we become very aware of our midline or our body and yeah. we can rest in body awareness. Yeah. It's not like you're listening out for silence. You know, there may or there may not be tinnitus there, but you're, you can sense, you can orient to stillness in the room. You can sense that there's a peaceful atmosphere and, and you're just resting in the body. You're not focused, hyper-focused on hearing or any mm. um, blah, blah, blah that you might have about it. And actually, the brain in neuroplasticity really does refresh itself. It really can change its position and orient to very different things. Mm -hmm. And when you get incredibly bored of tinnitus and you're no longer listening out for it or looking for it, it's so possible to, to stop thinking about it and, and it stops figuring in, in your awareness. Yeah. And that for me was, um, you know, the neuroplasticity for me is, you know the realization that, that everything is happening right here and now in the present moment and if we yeah. can get into a really calm yeah. pleasant state of well-being it's normal for the senses to reset themselves and come out of red alert so yes you know it's I, amazing neuroplasticity is amazing yeah and 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 you know some really good take-home messages are you know humans are designed to be adaptable we are nothing mm. short of miraculous. We have over 100 billion neurons and trillions of synapses. And we have a lot more control over our health and well-being and our perceptions and how we perceive our senses. So remember, we have information traveling in through the senses, through the ears, through the eyes, through the nose, through the touch, all day long and through the skin, but we don't necessarily pay attention to it. We, we put the priorities where we choose and where we focus, and that is really the central discussion in my book that I've written, um, mm. which is basically because I get asked so often, you know, how can I heal? How can I heal? How can I heal? And I've stopped seeing clients for a little bit of time while I enjoy motherhood and writing it in a book where people can digest this because it is a new conversation. And when I was at university as an audiologist, getting the best available lecturing in tinnitus support none of this was mentioned nobody mentioned neuroplasticity integrative neuroplasticity and conscious healing it was still very much blind faith we'll try this try that it's like that just depletes people they actually get frustrated exhausted and it, they can spend tens of thousands of dollars trying random things out of blind faith whereas when we actually drop into self-study and get to know our needs our values get to understand how to generate this new relationship to our body to feel safe and at home in our body is really the ideal outcome. And I noticed that clients who find me and undergo this neuroplasticity healing process, whether they have dizziness, vertigo, tinnitus, doesn't matter. 
It's not about the symptoms. It's actually about rearranging our relationship to the sensations and coming out the other end of it closer to ourselves, more living more in alignment with a wholehearted loving approach to life because we've asked some hard questions and we've listened to the body to get that authentic answer instead of living up here in the head and limiting ourselves to a life this big, doing what we think we should do, being the person we think we should be. I sometimes find that these difficult chronic symptoms almost invite us back home to reevaluate who we are and what we're doing on this planet. And so many of my clients come out the other end going, wow, I feel amazing. I'm stronger. I'm lighter. I'm more connected to myself. I'm more excited about life. It's actually been a gift. It can feel impossible while we're in the thick of it in the darkness. And I've been there, believe me. Um, but it's the, really a very common trajectory that I see. And I'm curious for you, Julian, um, as you see people kind of make these realizations and take ownership back over their body and their choices, are you seeing a similar shift potentially? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I particularly read people tend to be locked inside a heady sort of space, um, catastrophic thinking and hyper-focus on hearing. As people mm. start to open up and really connect with their heart and their gut feelings and and they really start looking after themselves you know having a wholehearted approach to themselves being kind and looking after themselves learning how to get their needs met a lot of yeah. people are very hard and very driven and yeah. beat themselves up you know so they start to become whole beings who can self-soothe and they're, they know what works for them. They know how to switch off and settle when, when they're rattled by life. Um, I find that the, the tinnitus um, really, really can become a friend. You know, in my book, Tinnitus from Tyrant to Friend, that you, yeah. at the beginning it's a monster, but when you work with it, it's a fantastic symptom because it's just giving you feedback. And yeah. when you work with this healthometer, it, it really shows you what is useful and backs off when you do the right thing. So well, what, what's your book called? You haven't mentioned the title. The, the book's called Rock Steady and the subtitle is Healing Vertigo or Tinnitus with Neuroplasticity. So it's really, uh -huh. it's a summary on the philosophy behind neuroplasticity. What is it? Why is no one telling me about it? Why isn't the doctor telling me about it? I explain that. And mm -hmm. you know, how do we use it? How do we implement it? So it's a very hands-on user-friendly guide to beginning a daily home practice with neuroplasticity. And you know, mm -hmm. a lot of it is self-discovery. It's my background's in yoga. So a lot of what I bring mm -hmm. to the science and my vestibular audiology training is this deep understanding because I've experienced it myself and I've experienced it in witnessing it in my yoga students is the body can change and the mind does change if we stick with the practice mm, and yeah. this idea of being a perfectionist and very hard on ourselves and inner critic and the not good enough story this is really common it's really common and people might be like yeah right so i'm just kind to myself and my dizziness and tinnitus goes away well it, the short the short of it is yeah because what happens when we start to treat ourselves kindly and have self-compassion self-love instead of the inner critic and there should be this and should do this and I don't I'm desperate and I don't have enough time and ah 
why am I like this again? I'm on the couch again. I can't do this. I dropped the ball. I'm not good enough. It's all because of the tinnitus. It's all because of the dizziness, blah, 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 blah. Right. When it's very dark and helpless, hopeless, powerless victim language, we are firing brain chemicals that keep us in a chronic stress loop and stop the neuroplasticity healing process. There is a biological response to that mindset, that attitude, that dialogue. When we actually learn how to drop into the body to be present with what we're feeling head to toe instead of so fixated on one particular area, and when we also shift the dialogue into, well, I'm learning how to self-soothe. I'm learning how to get to know my body. I have abandoned myself because I didn't know how to look after myself. And now I'm learning. I'm shifting into self-kindness. I'm giving myself a day off once a week. I'm whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to soften into a gentle way of showing up in the world as me. That actually begins to release more of the feel-good brain chemicals. And when we have self-compassion and we can sit with ourselves and say, it's okay, I feel this way. It's okay to freak out. I'm actually going to support myself and hold myself for the next 20 minutes as I process this panic. And little by little, we'll enable ourselves to fire more oxytocin, more of those love chemicals. And we're actually directing that back into ourselves instead of to our children or to our partner or to our clients and colleagues, etc. So for those of you out there who are like, yeah, right, don't believe you. Actually, there's a lot of hard science behind this now, and we can see the changes to the brain in fMRI brain scans when people have conscious, non-judgmental body scanning, meditation, and, and uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction skills. We are seeing the actual brain changes. Change your mind, you physically change your brain, and we can see that scientifically. It's, it's very obvious because you know most tinnitus people are their own worst enemies so they're stressing themselves out with these negative dialogues or beating themselves up. Um, if, you, if you practice yoga I'm forever telling people why don't you take up yoga or tai chi. Not only do you reverse out of your head into the body so you really can occupy your skin bag more fully through yoga which is brilliant for grounding the nervous system but you're actually being kind to yourself. You're doing something which is nourishing, releasing, settling. You just become grounded in that moment and you're, you're practicing self-care. I find the hardest job as a therapist with tinnitus is getting people to stop beating themselves up and start really looking after themselves well. Um, you know, so many tinnitus people are very capable in attending to other people up and out managing the world, but actually getting help for themselves and really looking after the body. You yeah. know, if you massage your face like this for 10 minutes, you will start to feel the blood flow increasing. You can feel your ears glowing and everything starts to open up. And, you know, if you get into yoga positions, you can really release deeply held tension that you may have been carting around for decades. Um, and then at the end of a session, you just feel in that lovely, neutral, calm state, the twitters slowed down and the senses have calmed down too. They've settled. So I would say that distraction is helpful and calming the nervous system down so you literally feel at peace and at home and settled I, it, this is a very steady way out of tinnitus you know i would say the way out of tinnitus is this way out yeah. of the head into a nice relaxed body and you become your best friend you really know how to look after yourself 
Mm. And it's so refreshing to hear you say this. Like, this is, it is really music to my ears, um, hearing have, what you have, found. And... Yeah, and I think, I think there's actually different, we're all on a different journey. So I know for some people out there, you'll be like, get out. There is no way I'm meditating. There's no way. I hate my body. The idea of doing a dog pose is just like, no way. It's okay. You don't have to. And I get people starting with very short, gentle body scans, eyes open or eyes closed. And this is really gentle introductory yoga mm -hmm. or standing with your eyes closed or your feet apart, just actually embodying and starting very simply and i've got plenty of clients who can't even do that for three months it takes three months until they can stand in their body or sit in their body with their eyes closed and actually show up to those sensations and um it's, it's interesting because i'm a yoga teacher and i actually don't recommend people go to yoga classes because i recommend people stay home and explore their body um mm. only because i'm not saying don't do yoga it's more i don't recommend anything i don't I say to people, discover what feels good for you. I don't know you, therefore I can't recommend where you start, right? So it's a, it is a self-discovery. And I find that in modern day yoga, um, it can also be critical. And like, you've got to do this and you've got to rotate your leg and you've got to put in. So it, sometimes it's also, well, who's your teacher? Does your teacher have a soft, open heart? And a, is, is there a role modeling of self-compassion and self-kindness? Or is it just like military yeah. self yeah, it needs to be gentle and there's no, kind. There's no one-stop shop. And the only other thing I wanted to say is I think in the beginning when we hate ourselves, and I use that word, it's a strong word, when we hate ourselves and we, when we reject our body and reject our body sounds or body sensations, sometimes distraction is a temporary tool just to help us re-navigate safety and come home to our body. However, distraction is never a long-term solution and in order to truly rewire and reset with neuroplasticity, we have to be able to consciously absorb those sound sensations or dizziness sensations and recategorize them by feeling them. So distraction prevents the neuroplasticity. So that's, mm -hmm. that's also, I think, um, a real misunderstanding um, globally because I've heard cognitive behavior therapists as well who work with chronic dizziness and chronic tinnitus say things like just put, put a podcast in your ears and go on a walk, like ignore it. And I'm like, well, that's not going to help people use neuroplasticity because it's actually almost like just pushing the lion and tiger over into the corner of the room and putting a podcast on and hoping for the best. It doesn't work. We have to actually look the tiger in the eyes and realize it's not going to bite us. That's when things change. However, yeah, we can't start I, there. <laughs> I, I would agree with you because the ideal is you, you, you let it be here. It's here. And with it here, you can just really switch off. That's, you know, so with cranial sacral therapy yeah. or hands-on therapy, you can just really relax on the couch. You find yourself melting and switching off. The tinnitus may be there at the beginning. You may be aware of it, but you're really switching off and relaxing and settling. So you're not fighting it or pretending it's not there. Um, but you really switch off. Yeah. And the more that happens, the more all the activation, all the senses can start to, to calm down, to settle. Yeah. I actually had one, I was in a therapy session once and a therapist said to me, it's a great visual. It actually didn't help me at the time, but it was a great visual. And what she said was close your eyes and imagine there's a big switch in your brain that switches you from the fight, flight, freeze 
into the rest, repair, digest, the parasympathetic system, which is what we're trying to explore and navigate. And in my Rocksteady online program, that's module four. It's all about the nervous system. And so it really is, it's an investigation of what works. And for some people being held by craniosacral just might be the best thing ever. And for other people, it freaks them out. They're traumatized. They don't like being touched. It keeps them in fight, flight, freeze. So it's incredibly Mm. important to know yourself Mm. and find your allies, find a support team that can hold you without judgment. You don't have to heal alone. It is a self-study process. Nothing replaces self-study. No professional therapist is going to tell you how to heal because they can't they don't know your brain they don't know your preferences they don't know how you're wired right this is a highly complex and subtle process and i just highly encourage people to be cautious of anyone telling them what to do i had one client who was freaking out about being in his body because he was terrified of his breath for some reason and really what it came down to is he'd never given himself permission to have his own breathing He'd been told how to breathe by other people, whether it was meditation teachers or psychologists, and it had freaked him out. And it's like, no, it's your breath. You breathe however you want. In fact, it's automatic. It's got its own natural rhythm. Relax into the body and trust that it will breathe the oxygen you need. No one, no one can tell you how to breathe. It's a very personal process. And I, and I think really just it's little by little, that sounds like a really simple thing, but actually that's profound for that guy to, to learn to to reclaim his relationship to his breath. And it's these little aha moments and insights of reclaiming our body and not looking for that expert to tell us what to do or how to heal. That's when we start to actually see differences and feel differences because we're, we're beginning to consciously shift how our neurons are arranging. Instead of waiting for a miracle or waiting for some magical device or drug or strategy or technique or therapist to do it for us which honestly technically is not possible. Julian and I cannot go into your brain and shift your neurons around and do a little jig and then you're good, right? Not possible. So it's, we can guide you, support you, mentor you and, and help, help you navigate that jungle of trial and error. And that's really what conscious neuroplasticity is. It's trial and error through physical, mental, emotional and spiritual realms. Arguably the spiritual I think is the most powerful spiritual being who do i believe in do i believe in my body to heal itself or do i really believe deep down i need joey or julian to do it for me because they've done it and they've seen thousands of people so i reckon they're my key right and those little subtle beliefs can actually really hold us back so Mm -hmm. having that inquiry of going okay don't believe in myself why when did that start when did i decide i couldn't heal myself when did i stop trusting my body everybody else can do it but not me that in and of itself is therapeutically beneficial. So it's this subtle process of people often say peeling back the layers. It really is. It's a step-by-step, day-by-day, taking the kindness with me, keeping the brain chemicals in that calm, soothing, kind, loving space. And when we do fall into fight, flight, freeze, because we all do, Julian and I still do too, how do we bring ourselves back? So I think that might give people a little insight into the, the work behind healing. Yes, it can happen, but it's a process. Yeah, I, I, for me, the spiritual aspect of it is 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 the most important thing. That's a very personal, very deep thing. Yes. Um, for people like you and I can be, we can inspire people, we can support people, we can make suggestions. People can try <laughs> things out and find what works 
for them and, and hopefully learn and understand what what helps so yeah so good and i just wanted to say for those of you listening who are feeling like no way i don't believe it i'm skeptical i'm like good be skeptical that's part of healing you know don't believe everything you hear and i think the only way to really know is try it and feel it if you're not feeling it your neurons are not firing it it's an experiential process it's not something somebody else can give to us and you know even reading my book or reading julian's book is not going to magically change you however it can teach you how to go through the experiential process of mm -hmm. feeling through your own healing so be skeptical and also if you're not ready tomorrow's a new day it's okay if you don't feel ready to go through this stuff i've had clients on q a calls say things to me like i don't want to feel in my body no way like that's, that's not cool. Like, is there any other way? And I'm like, well, not that I know of, not yet. Um, but if you don't feel like feeling through your experience today and, and going through that emotional quagmire, which invariably it probably is, there'll be a lot of stuck, repressed, suppressed emotions that will work through very gently. It doesn't have to be scary. But until you're ready for that, that's okay too. So just really holding it all lightly. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm so glad you stuck with it. And yes, I agree, you were very lucky that not only you had that first initial craniosacral therapy session and you noticed the changes to your body sounds, but I think the other beautiful thing is you didn't expect it to just magically go away and because it didn't give up. You just simply noticed, hey, it changed, something happened there, I want to look into this further. Mm -hmm. And having that openness and curiosity instead of a rigid, absent, or present i've got to eliminate it and cure it approach that really holds back healing but shifting mm -hmm. into okay i'm not stuck because it's changing the fact it's changing gives me hope so it's still mm -hmm. there but it's changing and i can work with that i think that was a real gift you gave yourself in that process and i i just love that that pleasurable feeling of switching off or relaxing and being yeah. held this is so oh, really yeah. just fantastic yeah and i and i think what you shared beautifully and what i couldn't agree with you more on is while sometimes we get that through a yoga teacher or through a craniosacral therapist or a, any kind of even a friend or a parent mm. often we learn to be held by other people mm. and i think the greatest gift is then taking that and being able to give it to ourselves so then suddenly mm. i don't need the therapist i don't need the device i don't need mm the external i'm able to really generate that oxytocin that brain chemical self-compassion self-reassurance and self-touch being able to give that to ourselves is next level and that really gives us back our sovereignty gives us back our life gives us back our power it doesn't mean we become an island but it just means we no longer desperately need people and feel broken we come back to wholeness and i think that is a true recovery in my personal opinion yeah, i agree i agree <laughs> yeah thank you so much any last passing words of wisdom encouragement or advice for your 16 year old self <sighs> yeah just um great to get support to find helpful information that helps you feel safe and yeah. gives you understanding it having holding we can let go so much more when when we are held and and um you know finding people like you and me um can it's so good to to hear from other people how they've made a really good recovery it's very inspiring it's really great to meet you yeah beautiful 
Thank you so much for your time, Julian. I'm going to have a link to Julian's website for anyone who wants to follow him. He's got a great YouTube channel. So it's juliancowanhill.co.uk and that's spelled J-U-L-I-A-N-C-O-W-A-N-H-I-L-L.co.uk. I'll have a link under this. And I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. I'll also have a link. My book's coming out end of the year, so mid-November. And you can also go to my website for a host of free resources. If there's anyone listening to this who has chronic dizziness or tinnitus, um, I encourage you to join our community. Feel, get that peer support. And yeah, I think just find your feet. And Julian, last words from you? Yeah, just uh, I have an app, if, if I may, that is called Quieten, as in Quieten Down, where there are lots of talks and videos and, and practices that people might find helpful. Um, Fantastic. Just experience that, I, that I've learned. Beautiful. What a gift. So... We, I wish you, for everyone listening to this, we just wish you so much love on your journey. And I am really excited to hope to, to see how this conversation unfolds. We're going to meet again for another talk. So it is a short bye for now from Julian and myself. Bye-bye. Wishes.